Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Banter Pub FC podcast. Uh, we are uh, gracious for you to be listening to us on all major streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Dogcatcher, Google Play. Um, we are thankful for you. Please rate us five stars. Uh, if you haven't, give us a rating on Apple Music if you haven't done so already. Also on Spotify. Uh, we have a few ratings on both those platforms, but we need more. Um, and, uh, we appreciate you all listening to our wonderful podcast. Um, you know, I wanted to get this week started and kind of talk about something that we have been kind of, as we are trying to branch out a little bit and, uh, expand the banter pub brand. Um, we've are kind of changing our format of formatting up a little bit. We've added some new folks to the team on the back end. Um, so you will hear a better production in future episodes and also past episodes as well. So look out for that. But in the meantime, in between time, uh, you know, I want to make sure that folks understand that we are, uh, you know, uh, you know, the pandemic is still happening. Uh, we hope you are washing your hands, washing your ass. This is a wash your hands, wash your ass uh, podcast. Um, so please do both. <laughs> let's get the podcast started ladies and gentlemen um so yeah obviously it's been another week of bundesliga i think i think well i didn't i don't, I don't think the liga started and we had our first uh our, our first kind of glimpse of potentially what could happen with the liga with a pitch invader despite the fact <laughs> that the uh stadium was locked down which was a little odd um he was a messy supporter uh, we do know that because he had an Arsenal jersey on. I'm sorry, not Ar- Argentina. I'm sorry, Argentina jersey on. Um, wow. So we're already, what, like a couple of minutes in and you've already started with the Arsenal Sinander? Mm. No, I, I don't make Anyway, so he was a Messi supporter and he was wearing an Arsenal, I'm sorry, I said it again, Argentina. <laughs> and... Uh, it was uh, it was interesting um, to see that um, because the stadium was locked down. Um, the game ended in a one-one. Uh, I think no, I'm sorry, one-nil. Um, and uh, the La Liga games this week, I, I think they're still trying oh, to get no. their feet under them. Um, no, no, no. That was uh, the the Barcelona game. I thought it was like four-one or three-one because uh, Messi got two assists and a goal. Okay, you're right. You're right. Three one. I'm sorry. Um, but for the most part, the games uh, were pretty uh, relaxed in terms of just the overall play. I think the players haven't had a lot of time to actually get their sea legs under them. They haven't had a lot of time practicing uh, with the rest of their clubmates. Um, they've been home, kind of, you know, relaxing, not working out. Um, and Messi didn't have his trademark beard. Uh, he uh, went back to uh, his uh, days uh, playing for small Argentinian clubs, um, which um, one considering that this may be his second to last season playing for Barcelona, it's 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 not a shock that he is um, 
shaving things off and getting ready to go back to Argentina uh, permanently and uh, retire. But, you know, um, La Liga's going on. Uh, Premier League is about to start. The Bundesliga is still cracking um, against the world's better judgment. I think we've pretty much unilaterally as a podcast, and you'll see it in upcoming content from us, written content, that uh, from one of our hosts, Joseph, that we are not big fans of the kind of petri dish that the game has now become because the pandemic is still happening. We're not, we're not going to get into the weeds about it. Joseph's post certainly will do that. Um, but, uh, and, 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 and look out for that when it comes uh, in the next few weeks. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, um, we're going to see what happens in the long form uh, from these games. I don't think, uh, it's too early to say from a La Liga standpoint where things are going to fall because it's they, they just restarted. Um, I feel like with the Bundesliga, they're a few weeks in now. They've kind of, but it's clear who the top team, the top two teams are at this point, Dortmund and Bayern Munich. And there isn't any other no. team chasing them at this point. I, um, I don't see any team other than Bayern. I don't see Dortmund challenging. I think after this week, it's going to be decided. And if that's the case, then where does that leave? Again, it's a situation just like the just like the Prem. Where does that leave the rest of the table? Which takes us into the questions we have this week. Um, you know, uh, one of our questions this week, as we prepare for the Prem returning, um, uh, what are what are each of you most excited about uh, as the, if there is anything to be excited about, what are you most excited about with the Prem, with, with Project Restart? Um, so for me, I think the, the biggest thing I'm excited about is, is getting the, get, just finishing the, the season to get it behind us. Um, as I've mentioned prior, my preference would, would have been to just finish it whenever we um, we were in a more stable situation with coronavirus. But if we're going to restart, the thing that I'm looking forward to is just getting it over and done with and starting uh, to look forward at, you know, what um, the league could look like in the following seasons, specifically, you know, what kind of moves can be made during the transfer window and um how can my team be strengthened like how 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 will arsenal under arteta line up next season right what young talents will be will emerge and join the the, the fight um will we be able to like we hopefully will have settled our uh contract situation with both our our upcoming stars and our established um our established players like uh Lacazette and Obama Yang right so that that's really what I want and and then we we I also have to look forward to the last year of Mezagozo's contract uh the sin that keeps on taking <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait. I cannot wait until 
those wages are off the books. <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible thing to say in 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 in, in all fairness, because you know, um, as mixed a bag as you can possibly make Ozil's Arsenal tenure out to be, um, you know, he has produced some of Arsenal's best moments in the last. Beautiful, you know, like he's done bits. You know what I mean? And I, I it's just, the, I guess, there's a feeling, a sentiment, like a general sentiment of there's an inconsistency. You know, with other outside issues that he's been beleaguered with, obviously being, you know, armed rob that armed robbery situation being the most recent one, um, and then of course the way that he got thrown under the bus in kind of like a, well, has to be said, a racist fashion by um, the German Football Federation, um, like. I'm sure that he's going through quite a bit and he's trying to find his form. He's trying to find his place in a new system now after Emery had been tossed out because he was at odds with Emery. I mean, yeah, those, that, that, footage, that, that footage doesn't lie, does it? <laughs> so it's like at the end of the day, it's keen, I'm keen to see where Arsenal kicks on from here. We've got a couple yeah. of good defenders in. We've got another one coming in in William Sadiba. I'm very keen to see how he does at the back, you know, with the with the current crop that we have. Um, I don't know if I want to say that David Luiz is a flop. It's just I still think <laughs> I still think I don't think he is genuinely. I don't. I think he's no. still. I think he's still trying to find. His place in in this in this in this side, you know. Um, you, you, you know when you know when you know when he looked good. He looked good when um, we had Saka playing left back, and you could yes. see him coach, coaching him, yep. coaching Saka on how to play that position, where yep. to, where to put himself, and and you know that's that maturity, that's that leadership. Yes, he's a little bit rash. He can ping a pass if you watch the. Even if you just watch the highlights of that Charlton warm-up, he had a brilliant, probably like 60-yard pass to hit Oba on the break. We've got some of that. We've got some of that um, to look forward to for the rest of the season. And whatever happens with this contract there as well, um, you know, that that remains to be seen, but I, I that's one more thing to look forward to is him pinging a long ball to our speedsters across the front three um, to do damage to the prem teams. Yeah, like I want to. Then you mentioned someone else who I'm really keen to see kick on. Uh, Bayako Saka, love the lad, lovely lad. Um, really Bukayo. to yeah, as an idea, I'm gonna I'm gonna make I'll insist. That you All say right. his name right now. Bukayo Saka. Bukayo. Excuse there me. There you go. I do apologize. Um, uh, I've been saying it wrong for a while now. Um, but there we go. Um, but yeah. Jordan, Jordan Ive situation. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't say that, man. You guys got to be quote unquote Ive. <laughs> it's got to be well. Jordan quote unquote hype on this podcast. I mean, at the end of the day, um, semantics aside, I'm keen to see how he gets on. I don't think there's any place on the left flank that he can't play, and that's a real nice weapon that we have in our arsenal. I really am. Uh, I really am keen to see how he gets on. Obviously, Gabriel Martinelli. <sighs> oh, 
uh, what have I not said about the lad that I have said already? Like, I just love this kid. He is so good. He just, when he comes on the pitch, he just, he just, he just changes matches. And he's only, what, 19? 18, 19? Like, this kid is, he's ridiculous. He is a predator in the box. Like, he is just, um, he can run at defenses. It just, oh, oh, I'm so, so happy that we got him in. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Martinelli is one of Emery's signings, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was for, for nothing, right? Well, I say nothing. For a really, really small amount. It's the same reason why I'm not mad at David Luiz. His, his price tag was really his, yeah. low. His transfer fee was low. Um, I think Martinelli's was somewhere in the region of like five to seven mil. Like it was yeah. like, you know, early 90s transfer fee money <laughs> right um, and like it would have been a record deal back then but they, they just got to show the kind of inflation that you've got in football which is another conversation for another day because none of us are ec- uh, economists uh, <laughs> um i just i want to see how arsenal gets on that's all i that's all i really care about in terms of that but i have to again stress and you know what like, you know what i'm going to say in it we should not be doing this. <laughs> we just shouldn't. We should not be doing this. It's. Uh, I'm saving it for the piece. But listen, we we shouldn't be doing this. I, I I'm keen to see how we get on, but not right now. And uh, I put a pin in it there. <laughs> Jonathan, what about you? Well, you know, this is going to be the first time this season where everyone on City is healthy. Uh, so um, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, like like folks have said, just the season has, I guess it has to end because um, people want to make money. So here we are. Um, uh, so I'm excited just to, just to see the end of it. Um, see just how folks are. Um, Laporte being one person, uh, KDB back, Mandy is back uh, fully, like fully fit. Uh, just to see, uh, get, get them through a run of games. It's going to be very interesting because, you know, the schedule, given the many games we have left, it's going to be kind of rapid pace. And I, I mean, I, I guess that leads into my worry too about <laughs> what might happen. But, um, just want to see how they how they're performing because I think a lot of folks have uh, at least in the city this season, um, particularly around our defending. Uh, you know, it's it's been not, not been not been title quality, and it, it shows in our position in the league table. So uh, just to see how they how they perform um, at this point, I'm not worried about the league. Obviously, that it's over now for everyone except Liverpool. Um, and yeah, just seeing how they, how this team gels, uh, that's what I'm looking forward to the most. I think for me, uh, you know, uh, health and, and everyone being healthy and seeing how everyone meshes is going to be interesting. I think our manager, uh, United's manager has made it clear that there are some players that he wants to see gone by the summer. 
Um, some he's been specific about, others he's been vague. Uh, but he's been not. But he's been less vague than previous managers, which has been nice to actually have. It, it's been nice to have a manager who was a player, who was a former player, who understands that when you are vague to the media, outlets run with that, um, and it ends badly because uh, then pundits grab it, then terrible rags grab it, and things kind of uproot themselves. So for me, um, you know, I'm, you know, again, I'm looking, you know, United is in a place, um, you know, there's no European football happening, obviously. So uh, for anybody right now, so um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the Champions League. We don't know what's going to happen with the Europa League. People are fighting for places that where we may not even the, the season could end, and they might not even have European football next year. Um, based on how this pandemic is panning out and contract tracing and countries ebbing and flowing in terms of their, in terms of their uh, positive numbers. So I don't even know what's going to happen uh, in that regard. Um, I'd be curious to see what, you know, and that, may, and that may be a topic for a future episode in terms of what European football specifically is going to look out, look like uh, next year if so many clubs are applying to, trying to play for European glory, right? And they might not even be European football next year. What does that look like? Why, you know, if and if the title is so far out of reach for literally every other club but Liverpool at this point, right? Then, and we're not playing club cups, right? Um, what does that mean next season? All that's going to happen is domestic football. And what does that look like for um, FIFA? as a organization, UEFA as an organization. Um, that's a conversation or a piece for another day. Um, yeah, that is, that is interesting because like you're thinking about it in sense of like we just, the owners and sponsors, like we just had to finish the season, but like we know the coronavirus is not going away um, anytime soon. So what does that mean for the rest of the league? What does that mean for the rest of the year? Like. People can't go back to 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 stands or uh, to stadiums, um, and like you can't just start it up like like it's normal because uh, the the spread is not is not decreasing in England, um, much like it's not in the U.S. too. So, yeah, that's interesting question about like what like you know it really will show like the true intentions of this. It's just all about the money, um, and given the fact that the women's league is canceled, but this right. one is, is still here. Yeah, that's another thing that does definitely it. it, it again, <laughs> all will be mentioned in the piece, but I'm just like, ugh, I don't. Well, mm. well, Joseph, this actually transitions to our next question, and you don't have to go into detail, or anyone else doesn't have to go into detail because it will be mentioned all in your upcoming piece. But outside of what we know, we're not looking forward to in terms of players dying as a result of testing positive, which thankfully hasn't happened yet. Um, what are we not looking forward to with the with with hashtag project restart outside of obviously <laughs> the fact that yeah. you shouldn't be playing right and that's obviously going to be going into deep that's obviously going to go into detail on your piece what are we as a you know as 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 fans of the beautiful game as as fans of particular premier league clubs what are we looking you know what are we not looking forward to what do we what I think injuries is obviously right 
Yeah. Um, so the, but, the, but those... also, I mean, these boys are out. These boys are not near their 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 level of fitness pre-COVID. Nowhere near it. Um, I, I think that's safe to say um, that it's going to be a completely different shift in the things that I've seen for the Bundesliga and the K League, respectively. They look like they labor early, like yeah. 50, 60 minutes onwards. Um, like it, it feels like the game should be cut down to 60 minutes rather than being playing for 90 minutes. And also, I think it's a good idea to cut the time down on matches specifically because the, the longer that they're in that environment, the more chance that they can you know, expose themselves to the virus if you know somebody has it, God forbid. But like, I feel like 60 minutes is probably better suited to you know helping them rebuild their fitness and then when everybody feels like collectively they're they're back at it and ready to go just go for the full 90 but again i'm not looking forward to this even happening (laughs) i'm not even looking forward to that it's just all contingency plans to try and manage it because they are insistent on pressing ahead as jonathan said i'm not looking forward to the fact that they're going to be crowing you know, about how brave and courageous they are for playing football during a global pandemic. It's like, I'm not entirely sure how this is brave. It's risky. (laughs) So I'm not looking forward to all of that spin. That's usually going to come out about it. It's also not really anything to play for domestically. The FA Cup's been shut down, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what else? There's, it's just basically Premier League football, and that's it. No um, Women's Super League. Um, no, uh, I think the championship is also not coming back, if I'm not mistaken. Like, it's just the Premier League. So I'm not really looking forward to this being, like, overshadowing the fact that this is just the Premier League looking for a quick buck. Like, I'm not looking forward to the discourse that's going to follow about it, where people say it shouldn't matter now and all that sort of stuff. But like it does, especially when someone inevitably gets sick. It's happened in the Bundesliga. Someone's someone's tested positive. I think there was three positive tests, Alma. Oh, was I it? mean, so the first week, yeah. So that so this is this is my this is my thing, right? Like, given especially now with the protests and the counter protests yep. and um, all the other modes of transmission that exist in norm in society as every society on earth attempts to loosen loosen up everybody kind of there is this push there's this desire human desire to want to get back to normal even though there are no uh there's, there's no real reason to feel like we should go back to normal and i that's my fear right is that people will take this as a sign of normalcy um, yes I, we, we we were talking prior to the beginning of the 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 episode about you know the spikes that are happening across the United States and all the poor league decisions to do you know like just 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 arrive in Florida and and um, just you know make a nice little COVID gumbo of all the little leagues. <laughs> yeah, like, MLB uh, is it, sorry, not MLB. It's um MLS. And, and and the and, NBA, and, right? Ugh. Which makes no. which is not a not a particularly good idea. You know, we just I just saw notes earlier today about a bunch of Texans and Cowboys players testing positive. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott among them. Oh right? no! Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
just I, I saw that pop up today. So it's like, you know, we're, where are we really and is it really worth it? And and yeah, so I'm not looking forward to the inevitable, which is <laughs> the, the, the spread um, as a result of this, because fans will congregate. My local Arsenal fan group is planning to meet up to watch the Arsenal match. Without me, of course, because I'm not going. <laughs> thank you for for being wise <laughs> but like but that's what i'm saying like everybody really wants and, and i understand the impulse it's human but it's not rational and and so i feel like sports are encouraging the general public to go do irrational crazy stuff not necessary stuff like fighting for your life and your right to exist as a human but um but you know, to go be entertained, right? Like there's a different level um, of sacrifice involved and, and sports doesn't doesn't uh, reach that level for me. So that's what I'm not looking forward to is the ine- inevitability of COVID hitting the sporting world. I also kind of wanted to tack on to Amma's uh, point there. Um, it doesn't. It, it, it to be honest, if you look at it from a, U, a UK aspect, this is the latest in trying to you know defy the lockdown orders. But really, the catalyst for all this was not well. Dominic Cummings definitely inflamed the original catalyst, which is when they gave those confusing orders, and the next thing you know, people going to the bloody beach. You know, like this, that kind of set the tone for what eventually made it seem like, well, if everybody's gone and done that, we might as well go ahead and have football on. So it's like, it's just been a bit of a domino effect. And maybe, uh, maybe I'm just, um, I'm off base here, but I just feel like, I just feel like it doesn't make any sense. You don't have to fall in line (laughs) like you don't have to do it like and there are plenty of other domestic leagues that are not doing it so why you why are you so important like i don't understand i really don't there's the billions talking (laughs) yeah man yeah i think for me um on uh, just the inevitability of it happening and people getting positive cases particularly in, in the uk because of such how at least in London and the major cities, um, London, Birmingham, uh, Liverpool, Manchester, um, Newcastle, um, you know, these are densely populated areas. So it's not like, I think the excuse people make in the US is like, there's, it's a bit more sprawling. So it's easier to distance, even though, you know, people are still not doing that. So it should give you indication about like how it could be in England given the fact that it's much more densely populated and, you know, you really can't practice the distancing that you need unless you're staying at home. And so does that, and, you know, just the general, like, like you mentioned, Neil, like it's the injuries, like, you know, you're rushing, you're rushing folks back um, to play in, what is it like? uh, Six, six short weeks, maybe a little more of football many back-to-back games or like one day after the other, uh, every other day, you know, and these are professional football players. So um, the, the strenuousness is going to cause a lot of injuries like Bundesliga, 
Oh, thankfully, there haven't been anybody with uh, serious injuries. Um, but there have been a lot of scares. La Liga, there's a lot of cramping and just, just injuries in, in, in that nature, too. And just given the like how the Premier League is endorsed as this intense, fast-paced, uh, uh, strong, uh, rough league, like, I can see a lot of players getting, you know, MCL injuries or ACL injuries or, or, or torn hamstrings um, just to, because you're, what you're saying is not only you're asking people to come back in short notice, but you're asking them to recreate what makes the Premier League so popular um, outside of the money, which is like, you know, it's extremely intense. So you have to match that intensity. Is if if it's playing like you're playing in Serie A, let's say Serie A is not intense, but it's, a, it's the game is a lot slower and a lot more methodical. They're not gonna. It's gonna be like, what are we watching? Like this is not the football that we want to watch. So what you've already pressured people to playing in an intense way, and that's just and if people already get injured uh, in intense in really bad ways, even before, even without like a pandemic. So. Just imagine what it's going to be like. Um, I, I'm really worried about uh, particularly big, big name players, players that like the the Ozils of the world. Even though you know, I'm the excitement of them not being Arsenal is good, but you know, if he, you know, what if he damages a crucial ligament, like that will put him out for who knows how long, and who knows how he where he's where he can go next, um, given that, or even a younger player that, you know has a really traumatic long-term injury. How does that affect their transfer prospects? Like Sadio Mane about to go to Real Madrid, but then he tears his hamstring or, mm-hmm. or like does something to do with ACL. Then what does that mean? Uh, yeah. That means he doesn't get to go to, to Real Madrid where he wants to go. And then also he can't play for Liverpool um, or his time is done. So, you know, you these, know these I, I got to that banish that true. thing real quick. Real quick, I'm going to banish that bad vibe from Sadio Mane. <laughs> like, we're going to let yeah. the Black King flourish. May he leave <laughs> Liverpool and, and live his dreams. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no bad juju for this. Well, <laughs> let's, let me just, let me put a, just a, let me, if I, if I may, just put like a, uh, just a finer, like, amendment on that sentiment. Yes, I do not wish. Um, side down mining ill, but I do want to see him flourish just away from uh, for, you know Liverpool Football Club. Yes, I would like to see him go <laughs> to Real Madrid. Yes, I would love that. I would absolutely love that for him. I think that would be fantastic for him. I think he'd be fantastic for them. I think they'd love him. Um, I think it's a good thing that we should definitely encourage, especially yeah. because Sheldon is not here to object. So we should continue <laughs> to spread this beautiful news. And and I will buy my first uh, Real Madrid jersey when he when he goes over there. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm yeah. going to go that far, but yeah, um, you know, I will definitely be singing his praises nonetheless. Yes, uh, if, if the shirt is tight enough, yeah, I might, I might do it too. Um, <laughs> and it just it just shows the impact. Like you know, he doesn't play for a club that we support, but we want to uplift him and. You know, again, not to speak bad juju in the air, but if something bad happens to him, like what impact does it have on other play- people that don't, that have a much stronger affection to him than, than we do? Um, what does that mean for that impact? So, you know, just these things to consider. And that's, that's why I'm really, of, of all the things, I mean, outside of the obvious, that's what I'm uh, most uh, worried about.
the, just the injuries and the toll it takes long term. And now to kind of change the uh, talk about something a little bit more uh, poignant, necessary, relevant, current. Um, with the you know with you know with all the Black Lives Matter actions happening across the country, it seems like Black Lives Matter as a phrase is no longer a phrase that's going to uh, get you bastardized right now, um, particularly because uh, white folks are actually paying attention to it. Um, I think that's the main reason why it's not being bastardized. But um, with all the actions happening around Black Lives Matter at the moment uh, in the world and how we've seen some players, uh, particularly because of, because the Bundesliga has started, we've seen some players um, do their own kind of visible protest, whether it be taking a knee, whether it be raising a fist, whether it be raising raising up their kit and showing justice for Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, whichever, um, wearing armbands. Uh, we're not going to talk about what Roman Berkey decided to wear because that was bullshit. But uh, <laughs> Outside of what he decided to wear. Man. Listen. Last week. So listen to last week's episodes, we already covered that. But mm. as far as uh, as far as uh, this up as far as the premise concerned, we've seen obviously uh, Raheem Sterling make a few comments about you know, his feelings about the, you know, we've seen in the past Raheem Sterling reacting to racism on the field. We've seen um, United players, uh, Arsenal players uh, react to racism on the, you know, during games, right, from majority white fans. Um, but this takes a different approach, right? This is, this is no fans lobbing racists, throwing bananas, throwing batteries, at players. This is black people being killed because of police violence. So you as a player with a pulpit, how what are you gonna do about it? That's what this is. So my question to everyone is what are what do you think pre, black black players in the Prem, not just English born players, but black players writ large, what do you think they should do, particularly not just for the players there? But also for the players that are coming, whether they be through transfers or for or from loan spells being done, what what should the how should how should black players specifically directly address the Black Lives Matter actions across the country across the world right now? Um, I'll take a stab at it. I think there's at least a couple of things that come to mind. Um, one, which is already happening which is to use the platform they have already to uh, amplify the messaging. Uh, you've seen folks um, across the board, across the European continent, um, express support um, for not just the movement, but um, also the search for justice. And then you mentioned Raheem Sterling actually taking it a bit further and talking about um, calling the uh, the football administrators to task about you know the absence of uh, the absence of flavor color of black folks non-white folks in in the decision making halls 
um, of power as far as football is concerned and, and, and in the UK specifically. But I think that's a broader, the charge holds in the broader context of football, given how many of your players, how many players, both past, present, and future, are black, right? So that so that's one, right? Amplify the voices and and agitate for more representation at all tiers of the game, especially in decision making positions. I think that's that's been uh, for something like you know, uh, Raheem Sterling has been kind of like the LeBron James of of the EPL. I, I appreciate that. Uh, I haven't agreed with all the actions. Like I remember when England um, England played and they received all this racist. Um, the black players received this racist uh, chance and and abuse. Um, on one of our earlier episodes, we addressed we talked about it, and I felt like there was a lot of conversation around. Well, we beat them. We scored goals. We beat them six nothing mm-hmm. or whatever. And that's the way you deal with racist. That is not the way you deal with racist. So I appreciate I appreciate the kind of turning the leaf. It's like no, we don't we don't allow this to stand. It must be acknowledged in the moment. It has to be timely. And I think um as as Jonathan has has asked for in the past, it's probably time for black players to collectivize their power and and make, you know, take a stand um to you know, protect their dignity. And the broader, you know, call into call into att- call attention to the broader injustices that occur um, in their, e- you know, ecosystems in which they exist. Um, and I think that's, you know, that, that my hope is, as you've seen with the coronavirus um, concerns expressed by players, that my hope is that there will be more collective action more collective coordination of the action so that the the impact is even broader yeah i think without black players you have at least a third of a third to or more maybe 40 percent of the league is gone right so imagine that power that the black players have yeah i think um i think i'm I think I'm in definitely in agreement. Um, what I would like for it's not what that I'd like for them to say; it's what I'd like for them to do. Um, and unionization uh, is definitely something that needs to be seriously discussed amongst black players. There needs to be a black players' union. The FA, um, UEFA, FIFA, uh, the over the uh, the the board that obviously is La Liga. Um, the board that obviously Serie A, uh, the board that uh, in Russian football, as you heard, what um, uh, the, the I think he's still the minister, the the minister for culture and sport there in Russia, but um, he said that there, there is no racism in football. He just flat out denied it. Like you can't work with these people. <laughs> so it's 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 time to. <laughs> It's time to unionize and, and collectively, you know, stand up for yourself. And yes, there's going to be a bit of disruption, but that is the point. Like, either you respect us or no deal. Like, it's just as simple as that at this point. And we have been around the houses on so many different things. 
and I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, and I could be off it, and I think I'm accurate, so, but there isn't a similar, so there isn't, so like, the players, the players association, the NBA, the NFL, the NFLPA, there isn't one for like the FA doesn't have one for players. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm sure there's been efforts to try to start one, but I don't remember there ever being one. So maybe a kind of offshoot for black players would. Uh, I think first of all, it would be needed. I'd be curious, frankly, to see um, not just. So we need we need we need a union that kind of organizes the players' funds to help, particularly because there's been an uptick in um, uh, protests in the UK, right? Um, for bail funds for those protesters, whether they be taking down um, relics of an imperialist past in the UK, or whether they just be attacked by police. Um, in in the UK and unjustly arrested, um, I think there needs to be a level of accountability through funding from players as it relates to helping support people on the ground who are directly affected. I know individual players have done their part to create foundations um, for for playing and things like that, but I think. There hasn't been an, I feel like those are just for like pictures, right? There hasn't been enough for me, um, enough uh, effort by them. And I'd also be curious to see who they would appoint as their leadership, right? Um, Obviously we know who is the most vocal of the black players, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that the most vocal player has- That they're they're fit for leadership, yeah. um, but then again, do we want it? To, do we want that to be? Um, do we want that to be a, a centralized role and have a hierarchy? We, you can have a spokesperson; that's absolutely fine. But I still think that there should be like a council within this union. You know what I mean? Oh, Where sure. um, um, there's a you know certain amount. Of, I don't know, Actually, seven of them maybe. I think they should have. I think I think seven is a good number, but I think. They should also have reps that talk directly to the FA about that's correct and and, th- and things going on, and then yep. also have reps that talk to UEFA and FIFA respectively as well, um, yep. and then interweave those and then kind of interweave those with uh, potential black player unions in other leagues, right? So you have other leagues that interact that have significantly less black players. Like I'm thinking about the K League, I'm thinking about the Saudi League, I'm thinking about the you know, the uh, Chinese Super League, I'm thinking about the Turkish League, and so many others, the Russian League, obviously, um, where there's where there's even, where, there, where there's less than 20%, sometimes even less than 10% of black players in these other leagues, then what do we do about those situations where we have those players kind of in the wind a little bit? Um, and as, and when we're not even seeing, um, at least not on the news, um, we're not we're not even seeing uh, too many acts by uh, like Black Lives Matter actions outside of major continents, um, and we're and we're not even seeing it in smaller countries where there are black players playing for these leagues because a lot of them are because a lot of the leagues are done. They've decided to cancel their league, so they're home. But even still, then 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 it goes back to the central question of what should these players do. Mm-hmm. Um, and what kind of 
setup would they would they have internally? Um, you know, would it? I, I think there should be space for them to enjoy themselves and have fun and be able to protect themselves when they're out, particularly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because how many cases have we seen, particularly in the past two and a half years, where we've seen younger players between the ages of eighteen to twenty-one, that where we see stories in the mirror or BBC or wherever else, and they're talking about the player for certain football club, you know, black player for certain football football club gets arrested for drunk driving. And then we see a quote from his mother or his quote from his father. And it's like accosting him for whatever reason. Right. Um, And we don't hear about the story, but that, but that story carries with that player throughout their entire career. When you, because when you search for that player, it's one of the first things that you see. Um, So there needs to be a mechanism for players to protect themselves. I feel like, and not just protecting them for, from actions, because who's to say whether or not some of these players have been out there in the UK for right. some of these actions, right? We don't know, yeah. because, they're, because they're not being, you know, they're not doing what these quote-unquote influencers are doing, where they're driving to the front of the fucking protest, and then getting out, taking a picture in front of a Black Lives Matter sign, getting back in their fucking car and driving away. They're not doing that. They could be very well engaging with the actual agitation because they're angry too, right? But yeah, I just feel like, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and Jonathan, I'll let you wrap this up before we uh, move on. But, uh, you know, I'm just curious, um, you know, what you think outside of, because, you, because you've been one of the main proponents on the podcast and we all agreed that, a union would be bad. <laughs> but outside of that, obviously, and we know you have your uh, preferences as far as who that leadership structure would be. Uh, <laughs> but uh, outside, and, you know, obviously Sheldon disagrees because of, you know, his ties to the club he's supporting and Hytham probably as well. But um, <laughs> what do you think, going back to the question, what do you think Black players should do in in relation to not just Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter actions in the UK, but also worldwide. Yeah, I think the like everyone said, the union is right for this moment, and you know maybe leadership. I, I was still spitballing, you know, obviously Raheem, um, Trodini, um, Andre Gray were the most been the most outspoken. However, like like you're right, uh, sometimes they might not be the best people to actually lead it. Uh, however, I think. It, it we're in a moment right now where it's it's a it's a debate between um, movements um, and that's people out in the streets uh, protesting and really pushing um, their respective countries to change, and then institutions which you know historically have just uh, either consolidated and just held people back or were, were gatekeepers to to progress, and so I think. We're in a movement situation where, you know, the solutions that are coming up institutionally are not enough. So folks can should just be. It doesn't even have to be like, okay, Raheem, uh, assemble this crew. Let's figure out a structure. Like, no, nah, we can similar like similarly to how they did in the NBA, where folks just got in the conference call, eighty players, and they were like, hey, should we actually even be playing right now? Like, given the fact that we are being killed, our people are being killed by the police every day. Um, 
we we are not safe here no matter what the nba says we're not safe and i, I think that should just I guess it's a level of organizing, natural organizing that the Premier League and leagues in across Europe just don't have at the moment between black players where um, I think folks are connected, but they don't have the, uh, maybe maybe they do, maybe they do, or we just don't know. Behind the scenes, who knows what's happening, but, you know, folks just, it doesn't seem like folks right now are on a call, but like, hey, let me call up, let me call up uh, Daniel Sturridge, or let me call up, um, you know, Danny Rose, and let's, let's have a conversation with everybody all the black players in the Premier League to talk about that. Um, so I think... Right. Um, but but also these black players who play for, you know, that, that don't live in the UK when the season is over. I'm thinking about, yeah. you know, the Sackos, the Paul Pag, the, you know, the Paul Pogba's, the, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Sadio Mane's, you know, the yeah. Mohamed Salah's, the, you know, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's, the uh, Alexander Laca, you know, Lacazette, Adama Traore, all these players who, you know, yeah. for their own intensive purposes, some of them, you know, should be playing for their, to, for the African countries of their birth, but instead are calling European countries home, which will be another topic for another uh, upcoming <laughs> uh, comma, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, we, but they have this dual citizenship situation. I mean, obviously there are a number of black players who are, you know, uh, you know, claiming England, uh, you know, claiming the UK as their home. So they're, you know, but for the, for the players that don't, what about, you know, how do they incorporate themselves? Yes. Create a black students, a a black players union, but then how does that, like, how does that literally translate? Right. Because, because, because on the pitch, the universal language is English for the most part. But okay, off yeah. the pitch, they're probably all using their native tongue, whatever that, whatever right. the multitude of that is. So how does that yeah. translate when we're, ha- you know, how, 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 does, how does that translate? How, how does that conversation happen when we're like, how does a uh, a player of you know a a French black player or a Spanish black player, um, Afro Latina and francophone? How, why should they care about Black Lives Matter in the UK? So how does that translate? Right. I, I mean, it it translates because, you know, people, I, I think that's just the narrative that's in the media right now is that, you know, where people are doing things in the UK because of George Floyd, people doing things in France because of George Floyd, but actually it's now opened people's eyes. I, I think the, the French protest, I mean, George yeah. Floyd sparked it, but it was really started because of uh, Black Frank Francophone. Um, I think his name was, was Adama Traore too. It, it it is exactly that. It is yeah. Adama Traore. Yes. Yeah. So that it was sparked because of that. Um, that people just take it away. So I think it, it is like you say, Neil. Like it's a complicated situation because there's a question already between uh, Black players. Um, of of Latinx origin or Francophone origin that it's a question between them and their national identity. Is it France or is it Senegal? Is it Spain or is it, you know, uh, Equatorial Guinea or uh, is it Portugal or is it Mozambique? There's all all those things that, you know, this moment has actually sparked um, uh, deep down. So I think, you know, even though people are away, I think like like you're saying, what, what can happen is just a level of you know, you're you're a black no matter where you go. 
So yep. you're going to experience, uh, your experience is going to be the same, uh, relatively the same, no matter where you are in the world. And so how do you respond to that? Because like, like you're, just like you're saying, I'm, when you mentioned like the perception of people, I'm mistaken about, you know, Ravel Morrison, um, who, you know, came up just the same time as Pogba, but, you know, he had, he had issues and <clears throat> that's what he's been painted with his whole life. Um, you think about um, Jermaine Pennant. Now, Jermaine Pennant has, <laughs> it might be a whole different situation, it's a whole different context situation, but, you know, when you think about him, uh, all you think about him is he got pulled over by police and pretended it was Ashley Cole, or he, he has like an <laughs> attitude problem, or, uh, <laughs> you know, so these, these things come up. So I think it's just that it's like, how do folks, it's, it's, if you think about it in that context, like, okay, how do we think about the entire European continent and black players? It's going to seem overwhelming, but you're in the Premier League, you spend half, most of your life, most of your year there, tomorrow we'll talk about it there, and then things will uh, spark organically. Like, they just, like they just um, expanded um, with this George Floyd murder, so, I mean, that's, you know, there's no one solution, it's just how do you, how do you engage in the spaces that you're in now, in the workplace, and how does that extend to things that you're doing outside because you know yeah I don't, I don't think a, I don't think a player has been able to go even go participate in the protest one because of the fear of coronavirus and what does that mean uh for your team and that pressure of, of you know being forced back you can't really engage because if you engage then you will delay the league even more and then what does that mean for you as a person and how you're treated by by the in in the FA like so a lot of those elements put together I think that's why that's why I'm coming from. It's it's complicated. This is to say that. I think it's just really important to take note of a couple of things regarding this is that when people have said at the protest, because I have attended um some of the protests in Philadelphia, um three days. And I went not only to make my voice heard, but also to document the event. Um because it's wild how quickly um, there's a, like a mainstream media force that always casts aspersions and you know clouds of doubt over the validity and the the genuine nature of angst and upsetness and just despair that you know people have been trying to point out that you know these disparities were place there on purpose why are we giving police departments this much money to kill us you know so when you factor that in it just it, it it's there's no room for apathy anymore like that th that was the genuine sense that i got there and that's something that when people say you know this needs to be a movement not a moment um or this is not a moment this is a movement that would translate to the things in which we, you know, participate in. So, yeah, I should expect to see quite a few Black Lives Matter protests coming from players, and I hope to see that, you know. It doesn't need to be anything over the top. It just needs to be something completely, you know, you know, assertive. It just needs to be assertive, basically, you know, and I want to see it. Um, and, you know, as far as after the photo op is concerned, I want to see things like... Um, what Marcus Rashford is doing. I would like to see more players pile in to make sure that they get these kids fed. You know what I mean? 
like the summer meals do need to continue. So things like Marcus Rashford is doing, but I'd love to see other, you know, efforts, you know, in that regard, if we're really and truly going to continue to act like the money is going to trickle down, then those who have it, especially during a time like this, really do need to come up off them peas. <laughs> That's well, kind of where I'm at with it. Particularly, yeah, for sure, for sure. And, you know, when we come on the other side of the break, we will stick to this topic of Project Restart, but we are going to do a deep dive into next season, open up our crystal balls, look at next season, and we're going to tell you who we think is going to be the most improved club next season. So join us after the break. The goddamn sauce. Nine different flavors, same goddamn feeling. Share our passion for sauce and discover the full goddamn range at www.thegdsauce.com. Boss up. So thank you for coming, for sticking with us. Uh, we're still here. We wanted to, uh, we wanted to open up our crystal balls as, as we mentioned before the break, and do a deep dive into looking at next season. So 2021, looking at the table now. I'm going to ask the panel this week a simple question: What team is going to be the most improved next season in 2021? Um, so given that Arsenal are currently in ninth and the chances of finishing in the European places, um, while they're strong, um, it's still a pretty big wild card. Uh, realistically, Arsenal is probably going to finish around sixth or seventh, um, given the competition, um, the nature of all, you know, all the question marks around how this season ends. Um, pulls that into question. So there's a wide range. So at the very highest mark, maybe fourth or fifth, uh, but more realistically, it's like sixth or seventh, given that they're in ninth place now, even though those there, there are only a few points um, between fourth and ninth. Um, I think if Arsenal finishes around seventh, I expect that the following season, Arsenal will be most improved team by um, careening into the top four really solidly, um, making acquiring a, a point total that probably would be difficult to foresee in the given our recent history. So I expect I expect Arsenal to be the the the, the one the one taking that crown um, because I really don't have too many my expectations for the rest of the season are not that high i just would like to see an identity form and coalesce among the players that are there and then watch the board back arteta to strengthen the squad over the, the coming transfer window and then we get a chance to see what the what this guy can pull together for for my beloved uh my beloved team Joseph, what about you? Uh, I am. Um, I have been thinking about that. I just, I, I, I don't know. I think the momentum has been killed dead for pretty much every single club in the league. That's kind of where I'm at with it. 
So whenever, um, and I think we, we, we speculated about this like briefly on a previous episode, but I still feel like I did then. I feel like going back into this, there's, there's literally no momentum you're carrying into this. You know, it's just purely statistical. This is like a cold start, you know? Yeah. So the only momentum we have is the points acquired to date, right? Like, yeah, there's a strong bias for everything. If you like, you know, people like Sheffield United, they're looking great, right? Like they did their business, they did the business early. And, Mm -hmm. and, and so they're in a stronger position than an arsenal that has to claw back up the ranks in this, you know, questionable period. Yeah. That, so that, that, that's why I think it's, it's really a, a, this is a, a fascinating question because that you know that there is that bias there so there's to me there's two advantages right there are two things that will lead your team to finish well this season and that's um how high up the table are you now how many points have you acquired prior to the lockdown and then secondly how deep and fit is your squad right um, there are very few teams like Man City that can literally start to starting 11s, right? Um, based on like their, their squad depth is that high, is, is that strong versus a Wolves, who I think have fielded the fewest players in league play this season, right? That the smallest, the, the smallest roster as far as appearances. And so, so that's the, those two advantages, I think, will serve teams at the upper end of the tier, the bigger clubs with the deeper, <laughs> you know, and then add, you know, folks coming back from injury that may still have um, more to give than because they haven't played a, a gazillion minutes on their legs the whole um, season. So, yeah, so I see those those few advantages out there to, like, skew things, but it's more, it's really like the guys at the top will benefit the most in the short, short term. And so given that, where do you think, you know, who do you think is positioned to storm to be most impressive coming into, you know, the next season? Um, this is going to be very controversial. And uh, I ask for y'all's forgiveness ahead of time. Um, you know, ether. By, <laughs> by I'm getting the soundbite ready right now. Hold on. <laughs> Bias-wise, you know, I'm I'm always gonna say Manchester City, and when we uh, successfully be exonerated from uh, this witch hunt by UEFA, and maybe some minders in the Premier League, um, I will wave the city blue flag high and uh, saying blue moon maybe some oasis uh in the background um <laughs> that might that might come that might happen y'all might see in a whatsapp chat um uh and to uh api near you <laughs> i see you i see you with the, the ether coming on um nothing and, but bars uh, right now <laughs> i <laughs> I respect Arsenal's, uh, <laughs> Alma, you, you and Joseph's ambitions. Um, and Neil, I know what you're about to say, so you already know that no. that's not true. But, no. <laughs> however, I think uh, in this question, my answer is not going to be City. My answer Good. is going to be the team from West London, 
the uh, how do I put it? Um, fascist, yep. fascist club <laughs> to the west of us. Um, yeah, you were harsh. right. This is controversial. I don't know if I want to <laughs> let you finish. I, like I, we might I, have to fight. Like this is we might. Like you, are, you're being very vague right now, and I need you to say the name so we can get this sound bite. Who are you talking about? Right? Uh, you know they're they're known for. Just say uh, the names. <laughs> <laughs> say the names, Jonathan. It, it pains my heart to say that it has to be Chelsea FC. That will be wow. the most improved team next season wow. and i say this i say this not out of uh um well if my biases were there i would definitely not say them but i say this out of given the fact that they're about to get um timo werner they're about to get is that uh, true though because i don't know so there was a report I, saying that nobody actually reached out to the lad's agent to be fair so oh okay well, yeah. Wait, wait, wait till he has the shirt. Wait till he has the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Please do not. In the in the spirit of not casting any bad juju on anybody, we don't want Team of Werner going to Chelsea. <laughs> this would be bad for everything. Okay. Look, I, Liverpool went and tried to win the league for the first time in thirty years. Now we have a bloody global pandemic on our hands. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen when they finally get the bloody COVID trophy for friggin' COVID Premier League COVID bloody covid ball like i just like it's it's chaos out here fam if timo Werner goes to chelsea that is the aligning of all the unholy planets the antichrist will be upon us we will descend into madness chaos gluttony well actually we already do that but you, you get the point like hell on earth business you understand right. the portal the gates of hell will be open if timo Werner sh slides into a chelsea uniform we will not have it you understand what i'm saying what i'm saying is it's looking likely i'm not it's, it's not set in stone but it's looking likely i i don't want to cast bad juju so well we'll hold that maybe he won't go but it seems like it uh given the fact that you know it's all conjecture because we don't know when the premier league is going to start again after this season so it looks like it it looks like he's going it looks like um Zayat, Z, I can never pronounce his name. Zayat or Zayat from um, Ajax might be going to Chelsea. Uh, they have a pretty good, they have a great core, uh, you know, from uh, Tammy Abraham. They have a solid midfield. I mean, Conte is going to go, but they have a, a decent midfield. And looking at Liverpool, uh, they've proven that you actually don't need a midfield to actually win the Premier League. Uh, uh, in, in historic fashion. So, um, and the defense is, is pretty solid too. So, it's you know it, it pains my heart to say it, but on paper, it looks like Chelsea might have might be challenging for the Premier League uh, whenever the next season begins. Um, that I'm gonna say that, and I'm going to now um, get some holy water and. Uh, cleanse yourself. Put over my eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do that. So you need to take your whole body into the to Lake Minnetonka. Cleanse <laughs> yourself. So for me, it's Jeez. so the easy answer is the mighty mighty Manchester United. However, 
No, that's that's, that's highly improbable. However, (laughs) the route route I'm going to go is the Wolverhampton Wanderers. And let me explain why. So, no, I don't see. Here's the thing. If they keep their core, if they keep their... Which they can't because they don't have the money to. That's the thing. It, it's going to all depend on what happens this summer because we already know Adama Traor, based on before the league stopped, Adama Traor has gotten suitors from everywhere, particularly from Spain. And we know if we, we know Barcelona will do a, will not do a swap deal, but they will keep, well, they will keep Dembele and sign Adama Traor so they have an additional right wing for no reason, right? So they have several right wings just for no reason. Um, because we don't know what they're going to do post. We don't know what Barcelona is going to do post Messi. Um, and so no, no, that's the anti Wolves case. What's the pro Wolves case? The pro Wolves case is that if is is contingent on if they keep their core. So if their core remains the same and they don't remove any of those pieces, and they, so so and, like who's in the core for you for Wolves? Uh, uh, Adama Traore, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think. Who else? Raul. 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 Yeah. Um, I think. Th- yeah, Neves for sure. Um, oh. I think. I think they need to, but I think they. Need they're to- all transfer bait. Like right I, now, exactly. I can think of a bunch of even prem teams that would that would take these guys. Right. I would even take like a Connor Cody for center back, and like dump. Papastopoulos and and um, a couple. We have several center backs that I would swap out for Connor Cody, um, and like they they got play to me. They've got a decent squad, like top to bottom. Um, but like, okay, so what's the if they keep their core? How high do you think they can go next season? I think they could potentially if 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 they keep their core and build off of it, right. Um, just kind of looking at their squad, if 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 they keep their talent, get 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 a better goalkeeper, yeah. um, get some depth on their wings, so Adama Traore doesn't have to play left back or, or right back and right wing. So 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 get some depth there, um, and then shore up the midfield because their because their attack is relatively fine. They just need that really. Wolves just need to invest in their the talent they have, meaning re-sign them, and then also build, and but also get some quality transfers from other leagues to build out, like uh, Marcus uh, Lorente from that you know from a, from a, from Atletico Madrid that kicked out Liverpool would be yep. perfect at Wolves. Right, I know. I, I know he's also transfer rate, particularly because he kicked Liverpool out of the Champions League. So obviously, tons of teams want him right now. But right, right now. I think him playing midfield for Wolves would be excellent for them. Um, and th- you know, and, and and obviously, Wolves are a team that did cause trouble for Manchester United last year. So obviously, I'm I am helping a team that hurt my team this. this <laughs> Um, so for all intents and purposes, people are like, well, then why are you building off a team that hurts yours? And it's like, I see the potential there at the end of the day. I, I see the potential there. It's, I think the, 
I think the easy choice is to go for the club you support. Um, I'm not going to go the Jonathan route and choose a club that just makes no sense, like a Chelsea. That just I I, I would never even think that. Um, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's holy water, sign of the cross. Let's, because you know what I mean. Let's go ahead and. Really, I think a club like Chelsea, even if they do sign a Timo Werner, is going to get blown up anyway because they have they have so many players out on loan that are going to lose that that they're gonna, that they're going to likely lose the contracts of. And then on top of that, they have all of these wages for all these players because they were transfer banned for a significant amount of time. And they're, and they're going to have to recoup all of that, plus potentially sign new players. So they're going to get rid of a ton of talent and then try to build off that in a brand new season. And yes, signing Timo Warner as your new number nine would be great, but you have several players in your attack already that are quality. So, so what are all those players going to do? Are they going to play for Chelsea or in my view, likely play somewhere else. Whereas at Wolves, you have, if you invest in the talent that you have, right? And yes, they are transfer bait. All those players that we mentioned, Neves, Traore, and, and so many, and Raul. Diogo Jota. Diogo Jota. I mean, yeah. all of these names are transfer bait. All of these people want to, Moutinho, you know, like, they were, <laughs> like that whole squad is just begging to get rated. <laughs> like, yeah. All right, can I just... Can I just say, right, um, this uh, Coutinho to Arsenal speculation, I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying that I don't want it to happen. Putin's but like if it's going to be... Felipe from Barcelona. Yep, him too. Like, wow. if, also, it, if it's... Okay, different, different person. If it... Um, <clears throat> excuse me. If the Coutinho to Arsenal speculation is to be believed, then can we please make it happen already? Because I'm tired of wasting the time, to be fairly honest with you. I Look, I will take Coutinho at Arsenal. Where will we play him? I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> but the whole point is him being there. I'd like to see him in an Arsenal. Yeah. That's, that's really and, what I... And... Well, we're talking about transfer bait and we're talking about Coutinho. That's been brought up multiple, multiple times. I'm stating on the record. I'm not... Uh, I'm stating on the record that I would like to see him at Arsenal. If this speculation is going to persist, can we please make this an actual thing? Thank you we very much. About, uh, I think we were talking about Moutinho, not Coutinho, but if y'all want that Brazilian waste of talent, <laughs> you can have him. You can, you can, because, because, because that will take the stress off of United and, uh, and, the, and the years that we've been linked to that garbage player, right? <laughs> we don't want a livable player playing for us. We just don't want that. We, now, now, if there are any Arsenal players, we know how that we know how they love greener pastures at Manchester United. We know that. <laughs> so we already know uh, how, no. how that works. So you know, with the ether. So you were talking about you were talking about wolves, weren't you? Joao Moutinho, right? Yes, that was yeah, dumb. yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and say that yes, while I, I thought you said Coutinho when you were talking about transfer bait. Um because well he is. <laughs> so that's the association I made. But I am going to say this, though. Yeah, bring Moutinho to Arsenal as well. Bring him come. Come, 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 come. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not going to be a bad signing, is it? We're trying to build a new proper spine. And I don't think we've had the kind of holding midfield prowess that we really needed. I thought Coquelin was going to work out. And maybe Amma is, is, is somebody that would, would differ on that one. But... No, no, I, th I thought he was good. I, th I thought he would work out too, but the problem was the injury. 
came yeah. back from injury a little early and he just never never was the same didn't have the same bite um dream signing for me is is a player of the kind of caliber of uh Wilfred and Didi like I, I I need a defensive midfielder Didi like is, that yeah there is like, another like Thomas party could we steal Kante from Chelsea no, no, no. Uh, I mean that. I feel like that 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 time has passed. I think I think the word is that we could have signed Conte, but we got Shaka instead. So <laughs> that I mean, says it all right there. You know, what? What? <laughs> yes. Yes. If you want, if you want a a cheap holding midfielder, why don't you just go to Wad, Watford and sign Goye or Gaye or however you pronounce his name. Um, no, no, no. If I go to Watford, I want Dukure. Yeah, well, you have to be highly ambitious at this point. Like, you can't, especially with challenging for a Premier League title, if that's the ambition, like, you have to. And Didi is like, he's probably, I will say he's probably, when Conte leaves, he's going to be the best uh, holding midfielder in the Premier League. Yeah. He has also he has the stature. He has that bite. He can play the pass. Like because he's a super eagle, I mean it'll be beautiful for Arsenal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, just, just say what you really mean to say. Some really clubs, mean. some clubs have an affinity for Nigerians. <laughs> some don't. Some, some will. Some that will is correct. Nigerians because... and some won't sign them until the next millennium is about to occur. Like you know what I mean? Like we, we know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know who's who. Right? Remember, kids, boys, girls, uh, non-binary babies. Remember, Jurgen Klopp <laughs> is anti-Nigerian. I don't write the rules. I don't. I'm sorry, but all I'm saying is, is that some Ama is correct. Some clubs do have an agenda. Some managers have an agenda, and some don't. So I'm just, just watch your performance and say, my God, that's a great player. I wouldn't say no to Wilfred and Didi. Oh, of course not. No, Uh, that's my dream. That's literally my dream signing above even Thomas Partey. Did I mention, Uh, um, didn't we mention on a previous episode that we were agreed that if Usman Dembele was available, we should probably go in game. Yeah. I mean, why not? I think that. I don't think there yeah. is a club in the Prem that would say no to signing it. Like there, there's, there's just, I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe Chelsea because they don't know what to do with the attackers that they have. But <laughs> yeah. um, they would, they would know what to do with Usman though. That's for sure. No, they wouldn't. No, they yeah. wouldn't because they have yeah. several people playing that are playing out of position now. So again, signing Timo Werner makes no sense because they are uh, just. Don't worry, he's gonna play right wing instead of uh, Willian or Pulisic. <laughs> no, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Politics, you mean um, Second Amendment Hazard? That's true. <laughs> NRA Mar. America. NRA Mar. NRA Mar is my favorite. Um, I, I mean, well, my at... my personal favorite. What is it? Um, uh, Luke K K There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean Werner and Diego, even Dembele would help Chelsea three thousand times. Well, any team really. So I think that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm basing it off of. Like, why know, are you trying to help Chelsea? 
No, this, this, it's less about Chelsea now. It's less about Chelsea, more about like the importance of Dembele uh, to any Premier League team is that if, I mean, unfortunately Liverpool is the standard since they're champions um, this year. And if that's the standard of how the league is going to be, where you have extremely quick, talented, smart uh, forwards um, and excellent defense, and the midfield is, you know, they don't have to be the best. They just have to do what they have to do. Then you need a Dembele in your side because he is quick, smart, fast, uh, and smart. Um, and you need to have that. Um, and I think if, again, like if Liverpool is setting the standard for what that is, and you also you have to have great fullbacks too. Um, if they're setting the standard for what that is, then people have to, we have to like, teams, clubs have to look for a Dembele type, a Werner type, um, uh, so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's facts. I think I think um, part of the part of you know we watched City you know essentially crumble from the heights for lack of a def- uh, central defense, right? Um, and you know it just shows how important it is to have a spine. Even though Fernandinho is really remarkable in his versatility. Um, it's not enough. Plus, he's aging. He's not playing like he's aging, but um, right. it, it's it's a question mark for me about you know the prospects of City in the next season being able to actually being the one to push Liverpool off their perch. Um, it's like what what's City gonna do to improve uh, next season? Um, they showed their fragility, like they showed their underbelly to the league so how do you you know how, how does the league respond how, how do they respond how does pep respond um if he's still there knowing well no, knowing that there will be no champions league right if you know there's no champions league you don't have to rotate your squad as much you know but you didn't have a first you didn't have a center back pairing at all uh, pretty much all season long so like what what are your real options you know the only thing CC needs to be preparing for, I think, um, I'm sorry to cut across the armor, um, but um, the, the only thing that City needs to be preparing for are two years without Europe. We've been over this a thousand times, and it just needs to be said again and again and again and again. You got caught red-handed, you were fiddling the books, naughty, naughty, and you were told that you should stop doing that, Then you promised that you would stop doing that, and here we are. So. The only thing that City needs to be preparing for, if they want to talk about central defense, that's fine. It does need improving, but maybe improve it before the hammer falls. Like, you know, not with a view to be, you know, be dominant in Europe or dominant in the league, but so that when you come out of your European band, you can actually come out swinging. So, hell, it doesn't even need to be this season. You can wait until the next season because, again, it's two years, <laughs> not one, but two years that you're not going to have any Champions League or Europa League or any, like anytime somebody says Europe, you're going to turn around and say, ah, is that that far away place from that C.S. Lewis novel, The Chronicles of Europe? Is that the place where (laughs) I can go to to, like my cupboard? That place. Well, I think at the end of the day, what I mean, I think what City could be preparing for is what is, is what I mentioned before, you know, as we started this segment, which is that there could potentially be no European football for anybody. So it won't make a difference that City's not that City's banned because nobody oh. will be playing European football next year. 
if um, that if that is the case, then may we project the ban forward so that they serve it in its entirety. Don't start correct. the clock until Absolutely. Europe is available. Yep. I'm 100% with that. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, there's no European football for anybody. Ain't, ain't, ain't no time served, player. That's not time served. It doesn't, you've got to suspend time. that sentence then. Yeah, so suspend now it, I know, basically. Now I know which clubs have been, have been snitching to the FA. <laughs> how? How did anybody? Nobody snitched no, on you. Man snitched on yourself. You fiddled the books, man. Wait a minute. Hold on. Stop. Time out. I didn't. I know that you're not trying to blame anybody else but yourselves. You man got caught red-handed, and the best part about it is, is that your systems got hacked. So somebody literally broke the law to show you guys and everyone else that you broke the law. Like, like <laughs> Arsenal FC working with the cops, man. I can't believe it. <laughs> wow, that's just slander. It's not anything to do with us working with the feds, fam. You man A-cap, got caught slipping. Gang. You tried a finesse thing and you didn't pull it off at all. And now you're here, you know, fucked up and down in the dirt. But that's what you deserve. That's what you man deserve. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, I will. I will say as we close, thank you for not throwing your fellow Manchester club under the bus like you did. <laughs> who, who is way more likely to work with the feds than Arsenal? Absolutely. <laughs> you don't think that the Glazers aren't in bed with the feds? Get out of here! Look, we need to have an Illumi- We need to have an Illuminati episode where we talk. About- <laughs> you understand what I'm saying to you? And, 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 and maybe we will have that for the future. But as far as this episode is concerned, we are uninducted. So thank you again for listening to this week's episode of the Banker Pub podcast. And we will see you next. <laughs>